90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science. Hey, Shannon, how are you? I got my floaties on, trying not to float away. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. I don't understand it, but we are very, very moist for for this time of year here. And not just under the pits, but, you know, (laughs) all over the place. (laughs) Yeah, normally it's, you know, sweat, but yeah, I haven't been able to do hardly any work outside because of the rain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, so I got a reprieve from camp while our students are off on their regional field trip, which they'll be up in Leadville, which is lovely, be nice and cool. So it came home and it has done nothing but rain, which is great. It's fantastic, I guess. Well, you guys had a rain rate of like six inches an hour this morning. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So there's a street in Norman called Flood Street, and that's exactly why it's called that. And they said that there are places where it was five feet deep on the road today. Wow. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, I was planning on going into the office. You know, I was trying to only make one actual trip to work this week, and uh, definitely I stuck around for, you know, three more hours until all that water went down. And I think we've got one more chance before it's 100 degrees on Sunday, so. Yes. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Then it's back to our normally scheduled drought. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Uh, I will say that it's very weird to come from the part of Colorado where we're at, which has no joke, 8% humidity most days to coming back to Oklahoma. It feels like I'm drowning just in the atmosphere. Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you are. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really weird. But, um, yeah, other than that, it's been great. Have you guys, you guys have missed some of it, but you're still floating over there as well, aren't you? Yeah, we haven't gotten nearly as much as you have, but it's it's still too much. I'm ready for the un, unrestricted cloudless forecast. <laughs> you ready for the heat dome? Ugh. Yeah, and you know, I don't understand either. It, it's been a very hard to predict system. Mhm. Yes. Yes, and I know I've complained about this privately, but I'm ready to take it public. Like, (laughs) yeah, so the Weather Service had everything, you know, in northern Oklahoma. We were barely going to get any of it, and then everything that blew through was all in southern Oklahoma and definitely much farther east than they said it was going to be. So I wish we could do some, well, I know they're going to do some, you know, take a look back and see what happened. But I wish they would publicize those things because it was a very different forecast 10 hours away from this event versus two hours away from this event. We had a clear sky bust on a severe thunderstorm watch. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. it was supposed to have 60, 70 mile an hour winds overnight, two to three inches of rain, clear sky bust. Mm -hmm. That never happens. No. So what is going on? Maybe we should have some of our friends from the Weather Service on. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have a feeling, you know, we, we call the GFS model the goofus for a reason. <laughs> oh, kids, you got to make your own hand-drawn charts and think about, think about the atmosphere and not just have the computer tell you what's going to happen. Right. 
mm-hmm. because for events like this, it, they're tricky. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And unfortunately, experience is a big deal. So, you know, I get that. But still, this was um, was very interesting how it panned out just in the last, like I said, 10 hours before the event. So hmm. we'll see what happens tomorrow. We've got a little bit of a chance, but maybe that'll turn into six more inches of rain per hour. <laughs> yeah, it was... It was, it was kind of eerie having the forecast be so wrong. And you could look at it, and just reading the forecast discussion, you could tell, like, there's no confidence in this discussion oh, right mm-hmm. now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's uh, interesting times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But so we were, we were trying to figure out what to do for another short, and we actually had this idea of, and I don't know if we'll be able to do it necessarily, but of basically <laughs> doing all bizarre phenomena shorts so you would think that in the you know eight years i guess almost eight years we've been doing this that we would have captured all these bizarre things but a lot of them we sort of skim over because not a lot is known about them so even though we're very long-winded it'd be hard to make full-length shows out of them which makes them perfect for actual summer shorts (laughs) we hope (laughs) I know. I'm afraid that this one, well, we'll do our best. And this is a weird one, and I've never seen it. And I'm a little obsessed with it once I found out that it occurs. And I just found out about this a couple years ago, actually. And that's singing sand. Or whistling sand or barking sand. Or booming sand. (laughs) Or booming sand, yes. I don't get the booming I don't get the booming either, but maybe it depends on where you are because these things are found all around the world. So maybe the sands make different noises depending on where you are. Right. And so this, this is kind of what exactly what it sounds like. (laughs) Uh, It's, it's sands that sing monotonic notes, most commonly E, F, and G. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you pick them up and you see their little mouths are moving and they all are in harmony and that's what, that's what happens. Yes. <laughs> okay. So what's the FBF? No. Uh, it's the sand finny. <laughs> oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm so sorry. And that's a wrap. <laughs> so there are a couple different requirements for this versus like the actual sand and also the dune sizes. So this is very interesting. And this does happen. These conditions are met in many places in the world. But first of all, for the sand, it needs to be silica sand. That makes sense. And mostly because to get sand to sing, to make this monotonic noise, um, the sorting and rounding may affect this. We actually don't know very much about this. But the sand being all the same sort of shape and very round, Silica sand is what's going to do that, and it's silica sand that's between 0.1 and 0.5 millimeters in diameter is the best to get this to happen. Yeah, and what I first thought about is this sounds a lot like what I used as my artificial (laughs) fault gouge in my PhD. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like 150 micron, round grain size, made out of silica. So my first thought was, I wonder if at the company that makes this stuff, which is used for industrial fill, uh, like, do they have their mountains of this stuff in the yard have this phenomena? Oh, that'd be so cool. So what I heard about the dunes, 
I watched a lot of YouTube videos about this this afternoon, which was quite interesting, <laughs> was that it said that most of the dunes that make this noise, and we're talking about not, we're not talking about beach dunes, we're talking about Eolian dunes, so windblown dunes, are over 120 feet tall. Yeah. So, so a big dune <laughs> with a pretty steep angle of repose. Right, greater than 30 degrees. And it happens most frequently when it's hot, although I'm not sure that temperature has to do with the actual conditions that, or the actual sound making, and more maybe the conditions that go into creating the sound. That's what I'm thinking. I think you're probably right. And, you know, they mention humidity a lot, which we know from working with silica in the lab, humidity does greatly affect the frictional behavior of silica. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Um, It... It's so strange. Uh, So when you've got these dunes over 120 feet tall, certain humidity levels, slope greater than 30 degrees, all this perfect sand, what you need to do is destabilize the dry sand on top. And it might sound weird that there's wet sand in dunes, but there are, right? So most of the dune is (laughs) moist-ish. And you know this because, like, if you dig a hole in the side of a sand dune, right, as you get down deeper, it gets, like, colder and wetter and more compact. Makes sense. Yeah, it kind of sticks together like sandcastle sand. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But there's a layer on top that's dry, and that's the sand that's mobile and moving around. So you've got these dunes. They all have crests. And if you were to walk across the top of a dune... You create these things called sandfalls. We just talked about this when we talked about mass movements, right? Um, and so you have these cascading sandfalls. And it's the mechanism that does that, a person walking or, say, wind, very strong winds blowing, can destabilize the crests of the dunes and put into motion large amounts of sand. And it's the sand, the energies of the sand moving that basically bounces back and forth between that dry layer and that wet layer and creates this weird sound. Yeah, so the, they think that the thickness of the dry layer is basically changing the thickness of a resonant cavity, which determines the frequency of the sound. hmm Yeah. So now, ha- that's After the... listening to the recordings, uh-huh. <laughs> I would lose my mind <laughs> if I were just hiking around out in the desert and suddenly heard this <laughs> like you would be looking around for the mothership no yeah so it said it's generally around 450 hertz but like you said depending on that thickness it's basically like a g ear and f tonal that's happening that's yeah the sound was bizarre and absolutely i would lose my mind <laughs> absolutely well, because you've got a huge speaker. If you've got a dune that's 120 feet tall, think of the, how little movement of the air you have to have over an area that large to create a very substantial pressure wave. Yeah. And so the shear that's happening in between those is doing that. Um, I read this thing that said 150 decibels. That's no joke. <laughs> yeah, that's dangerous in some time. In mm-hmm. some case. Yeah, and some of these events last like tens of minutes long that's so strange Mm -hmm. and i yeah 
I've never heard it in real life. Have you? I have not. I think we need a field trip, though. I absolutely do. So, like we said, these are found all around the world. Um, the one, the the National Geographic short that I watched was actually in Death Valley. Um, but also, these are at Great Sand Dunes, which I've never actually been there, despite being on field trips in and all around that location in Colorado. So apparently it happens there, too. Happens all around the world, these singing sands. So strange. Yeah, I would love to get samples from these locations and collect some infrasonic data, collect some acoustic data, collect some geophysics, maybe fly a GPR survey. This would be an awesome project. Oh, it sure would. So the group, I don't remember, they were engineers, not geologists, that went out and looked at this. And they stuck geophones into the sand and then walked along the top to create these uh, singing events and recorded them with the geophones. And we still don't know that much about them, despite having that. But I thought it was really funny because they were making such a big deal about how far they had to walk with all that equipment. And I thought... Two miles. <laughs> That's what you get, geophysicist. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's what you get. There weren't even any cables on those geophones, man, kids today. I know. <laughs> You're not even like slicing your hands open, trying to get those little caps off of there. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Don't know how easy yeah. they had it. <laughs> no. Oh, so yeah. I remember going through like not a pair. I remember going through pairs of leather gloves. Oh, man. Doing those... seismic lines. And they would say, you know, they're like, don't do it without the gloves. And I remember the first time when I was like, that's dumb. I'm tough. And then I sliced my hand open. I'm like, okay. Yeah, that's not a joke. <laughs> don't do it without yep. the gloves. <laughs> yeah. So they were complaining about that. But, you know. Hmm. Uh, my thought when reading about all of this is, well, two, two thoughts, actually. There's one, it's sort of a dynolite, so like a little a zoomed in binocular microscope picture of some of this sand. And it's not nearly as round as I would have thought it would have been. It's it's very uniform, and maybe that's more important, but I dare... Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah it's like sub-rounded. I don't know. It's spherical to an engineer or a physicist. <laughs> so there we go. Um, so that was surprising to me. And also, I want to know, yeah, what is the volume that you have to have to make this happen? Like, audibly make it happen. Well, and I mean, if... The physics, at some point, the physics doesn't scale. Right. Mm -hmm. But it should happen in you know, a pile of sand at a concrete factory. It just may not get enough pressure for us to hear it, but it should still be there. Right. Yep. That's what I wondered. You need to find a concrete factory and stick some stuff in this. <laughs> we, we happen to work on instruments for one here. Hmm. So. Now you're going to throw in some new instruments, I'm guessing. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's very interesting. I definitely want to go to one of these places that does this. Yeah, a lot of them, this was interesting too, and I wonder if this has to do with the humidity part, is that a lot of the places seem to be in like the British Isles or in like the northeast coast of the U.S. Um, yeah. So I, I, humidity was the only thing that I could think of as to why why those locations were centered there, but I don't know. 
Well, and they also mentioned having very clean sand, like not a lot of pollen yes. on it, mm-hmm. not really any contaminants. Mm, that's a, Oh, yeah, that's a good point. So then you're going to dampen everything, right? So nice or and clean. Or lubricate it. Mm, ah, yes. Yeah. It's a nice clean sand, silica sand. Stick it in a pile, walk on it, make it sing. <laughs> yep, so it sounds like we need to go to Death Valley in the middle of summer. Yeah. Sounds <laughs> lovely. <laughs> Bring your sunscreen. <laughs> right well the other thing when they were talking about carrying that equipment up there it's like well it's only 200 pounds I know. there were four of them that is and there were quite a few people right exactly <laughs> like i get it that's a lot but it's also but not that much <laughs> if there were more like if you wanted to do a real honest to goodness like kilometer scale seismic line yeah it's gonna be a lot more than 200 pounds <laughs> well it's gonna be a lot more than 200 pounds but we also have helicopters mm, mm-hmm that is true. I don't I don't know what kind of permit nightmare you would be in. A massive one in Death Valley, I would assure right. you. <laughs> There's other places you can go. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of these that are listed uh, are even like in Michigan. Right. That's uh, I was surprised at some of the locations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Indiana. Manchester by the Sea, Massachusetts. Indiana. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. That's very I mean, that's a day trip, Shannon. Seems like seems like something we should do. Yeah. <laughs> also, funny enough, uh, the Wikipedia article on Singing Sand pointed out that it also inspired a Bing Crosby song called <laughs> The Singing Sands of Alamosa. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh. Yeah, that was <clears throat> that was pretty funny as well i quite liked that um one of the references for this too (laughs) there's a lot of these like colloquial references and then here's the one that i imagine (laughs) that you would have made the song of dunes as a wave particle mode locking (laughs) (laughs) right and that was in physical review letters in 2004 (laughs) i'm like oh that's nice (laughs) yep Surface elastic waves and granular media under gravity and the relation to booming avalanches. <laughs> yeah, right next to Bing Crosby's song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, this is a really interesting one. I hope that, yeah, we should definitely do a little bit more research and try to visit one of these places because this is a very strange phenomenon. Also one that I'm very sad I haven't witnessed already. Yeah, I would really like to see this, and mm-hmm. even just baby instrument it. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I guess it has to do with, you know, the economy of scale, right? How much sand do you need to get this going? <laughs> right, I mean, <laughs> I, have, I, I have an empty lot by my shop. Yes, <laughs> expect a delivery. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's shocking how small 20 tons of something is <laughs> when you see it in a big space like that. Uh, uh, this seems like a feathers versus sand grains argument. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, I will say that you missed my economy segue. <laughs> oh. It wasn't well, very you good. Know. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, no, there just wasn't a great way to, for that <laughs> to land with me. Uh, no. Uh-uh. I guess you could say that you might as well get me unemployed after that bad joke which takes us into everybody's favorite segment of the show 
fun paper friday <laughs> yay <laughs> i'm sorry if you had more to say about singing sand we can i just i'd saved that one and then it fell flat and it made me sad <laughs> e flat actually <sighs> um. so <laughs> this one is japan's phillips curve looks like japan by smith <laughs> This great. <laughs> this is one of those you know that the graph for a, mo- a manuscript or a, something like that was just thrown on the desk, and Gregor walked into his office and saw it upside down and went, "Huh," <laughs> and wrote this paper. Oh man, this is <laughs> I love this. So. <laughs> A Phillips curve, right? So this is some economics thing that I never pay attention to, I guess. And so it must it has the inflation rate on the y-axis and unemployment rate on the x-axis. So I'm assuming you do these things for whatever scale, you know, economy that you're looking at. And if you right, and so the the basic premise, which we're working on testing now, is <laughs> that higher rates of inflation decrease unemployment. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if you look at Japan's Phillips curve from January 1980 to August 2005, it's this curve. Okay, great. But if you flip it about the y-axis, it becomes Japan. It does look like a... Um... Oh, what's that kind of art where you make it all out of dots? Oh, mm-hmm. pointillism? Yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. It's data pointillism. Ah, 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 ah. Love it. I love it. But it's weird because it's like the islands of Japan show up, like Hokkaido and Honshu. It's very interesting. And he says it's somewhat difficult to distinguish the southern islands. <laughs> <laughs> But, it's like geophysics. Stand back, squint a little bit. Exactly, but you re- you barely have to squint, really. So Tokyo Bay is on there, and so the two figures are the Phillips curve, the Phillips curve reflected, and then just like this awesome drawing of Japan. Yep. <laughs> and did you see the reference, though? Did you look up the reference? Yeah, so this is going to have to be another paper. <laughs> On paper, um, which is all meat looks the same in South America by McCall. Oh yeah. Okay, so I looked this up. It's a book. Or, sorry, not looks the same. All meat looks like South. Looks America. like sorry. South America. <laughs> yeah. Uh huh. It's fantastic. And on the cover of the book is a guy with a drawing of South America and a drawing of meat. <laughs> and I love it. I think it's spectacular. Yeah. <laughs> so talk about unusual uses for your data. There you go. Exactly. This is so great. It's like the quintessential academic thing, whereas, you know, somebody might be like, this graph looks funny, and then someone's like, I'm going to write that up. Right. I could get a publication out of that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I found quite a few math papers along the same line that I'll have to run by. You may have to have multiple fun papers because they're literally one and two pages long. <laughs> right. But worth looking at. <laughs> well, I've got uh, 
I've got a couple of fun papers saved up too now, so we're gonna Ooh. we're gonna have a summer shorts fun paper extravaganza. Oh, that sounds great! I've told myself no more dog papers for at least a month, so. Uh, yeah, that's probably good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll I'll spare you that. Man, John, we might have done it. We might have actually had like shorty shorts on today. Well, I don't know about shorty shorts, but <laughs> five inch inseam. Yeah, not our, not our normal, very long pant shorts. <laughs> oh, okay. We'll endeavor to try again. <laughs> right. Well, if you've got information on singing sands or what you think a Phillips curve looks like, or if you would like to further prove Bruce McCall's all meat looks like South America <laughs> hypothesis, Shannon, how can they send us pictures of those tasty, tasty steaks? <laughs> Please send us your geography food show at don'tpanicgeocast.com. We're on Twitter at don'tpanicgeo. I'm at Shannon Doolin. John is at geo underscore Lima. We're on the Slack channel. I'm on there a bit more to this year, um, or this summer anyway because of field camp. So you can find us, the Software Underground, the Don't Panic channel. And as always, thank you to our Patreon supporters. If you would like to support us and keep this going, you can do so. Patreon.com slash Don't Panic Geo. And until next week, remember, don't panic. It's not an exact science. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed are solely ours and do not necessarily reflect the views of our employers or funding agencies. 